Hey, Being at Work listeners, welcome back to another episode. Today's episode is such a good one. It gets at the heart of all of our individual leadership challenges, our own beliefs. Today's guest has been studying human behavior for over 30 years and says that it all has to do with our beliefs. Tim Schur is the CEO and founder of Schur Success Seminars and Consulting. But what you really need to know about Tim is that he is the master of helping you to get out of your own way. I've been so blessed to get to see him in action and been personally impacted by his work. He also models the way. He's so real, as you'll hear, and he's always working on himself. Listen in as we talk about recognizing blind spots, rewriting patterns that no longer serve us, and how we are all just one belief away. My biggest takeaway, the power is not in the experience, but the beliefs that come from them. I started out as a very anxious kid. You know, I had a lot of anxiety, a lot of worries, a lot of self-doubt. And I decided that I was going to figure out the cure for insecurity. How do I stop sabotaging myself? How do I get rid of that feeling that, you know, things, bad things are going to happen or I'm going to run out? you know, run out of money, run out of time, uh, run out of friends. <laughs> you know, I was always afraid that some, that the rug was going to be yanked out from underneath me. And that is because of experiences that I had in my childhood. Most of the beliefs that we have about ourselves, others, the world around us are formed by the age of seven. And I remember uh, when I was 12, my dad was an electrician at a steel mill and he was involved in an explosion. And uh, it was one of those experiences where the rug got yanked out from underneath me. And so it formed a belief. One of the things that I've learned over the years is that it's not the experiences that you go through, it's the beliefs that come from them that matter more than anything else. And I had a belief formed in my unconscious mind that I'm not safe. So, you know, a lot of the struggles that we have when we're in our 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, whether it's money or marriage or self-confidence or your health, you know, we're trying to figure out what is happening in my life right now that's holding me back. And it turns out that after 32 years of studying us humans, that usually what's holding us back isn't what's going on in the moment, but those beliefs that were formed when we were kids that are still in our minds, still affecting us to this day. So I went to school for psychology and I found that counseling and therapy was too slow and you could talk to somebody forever about your problems and not really ever feel any better. And so I had an experience of being hypnotized. While I was in one of my college classes, they had a guest speaker that came in that was a hypnotist. And I knew nothing about that. And, and uh, they asked for a volunteer. And I was like, sure, I'll cook like a chicken. But <laughs> that's not what happened. What happened, Andrea, is that in that moment, that knot that I walked around with, that anxiety disappeared for a little while. Like that whole week, I felt like I could walk on water. It was amazing. Now, of course, the anxiety came back because I was good at doing anxiety. I didn't know that at the time, but we are often creating the very problems that we are complaining about, and we don't know it. There are blind spots, and everybody has them. And so uh, I got hooked on hypnosis, and then it opened the door for all the other peak performance fields that Tony Robbins has made famous. And, uh, and I just went deep into learning everything I could for how do you help somebody that has not been able to get results any other way? How can you get results for them right then, right there? 
And I made my life all about helping people to eliminate needless emotional suffering. And it's been 32 years now, and I'm sharing what I've learned, and I'm so excited to share it with your listeners today. Well, I'm so glad you're here. You know, like I said in the intro, I have seen the impact of your work, and I'm so grateful for you. You show up in such a real way and have such a disarming ability about you that creates this openness in leaders to try things they wouldn't ordinarily try. Yeah, thank you for that. I really appreciate that. You really do have to help people feel safe if you want them to open up and trust you. And so I talk a lot about the mistakes that I've had, the limiting beliefs that I've experienced so that, you know, if I want to lead somebody, I'm going to go there first. And I'm going to share and be honest and be vulnerable and and tell them something specifically that I know is going to help them to feel like they have a bond with me. And then people are able to, to feel safe opening up. And then when they do, I validate them. You know, I'm not focusing on what they're doing wrong. I focus on the opportunity that's in front of them, you know, and, and how they can capitalize on that opportunity. And that's why people open up. Even some of the most resistant people I brought into companies and they're like, we just can't get through to this VP or, you know, or whoever it is, you know, good luck. And I've been able to go in and, and create a, a very powerful conversation because I'm not focusing on what they're doing in the moment. I'm looking for the beliefs that are driving that behavior. And it causes people to go, wow, I didn't know that about myself. Well, and it's so empowering when we take ownership for the fact that we're creating it as we go, all of a sudden your view of life changes. Oh my gosh, I have a lot more power than I've given myself credit for. But how, how do you create that level of openness? A lot of times, you know, we're all walking around as the lead character in our own stories. And so we can see so clearly what's happening with others, but often have blind spots as you've referenced to the fact that we're creating a lot of our problems. How do you get leaders and people to see that? I will tell you one of my secrets that I use is I help people feel like I get them curious about what this is all about. And then I figure out what they're trying to prove at an unconscious level. What do you mean by that? So some people are trying to prove that they are worthy. Some people are trying to prove that they are the smart one. Some people are trying to prove that they are the caretaker. You know, when we are little, when we're young, we figure out what our roles are in the family or how to survive or how to get love. And so some of us become the super achiever and some of us become the caretaker and some of us become the problem child, <laughs> right? That's how we get attention, you know, by what we just did wrong. And so we develop these different ways, these coping strategies. And if I know that someone wants to feel significant, I help them feel significant. I don't blame them for it or make fun of them or try to ridicule that behavior. I, I just help them feel what they've been wanting to feel all along and then show them a new, more effective way of satisfying those needs. So how do you help them uncover what they're trying to prove? A lot of times I'll tell stories or if I know what they're trying to prove, I'll just tell them a story about how I was trying to prove. So if I'm talking to a leader, I'll give you an example. I was talking to this VP of marketing, and he was very competitive. 
great guy. Everybody liked him, but he was extraordinarily competitive, which means that he raised the people on his team to be competitive as well. And so they are always competing against the different departments in the company. And we both know that when you're competing against yourself, it's not a good move. We need to be collaborative. And so I told him how I used to have a a real issue with wanting to prove myself and wanting to be the best and wanting to stand out above the rest. And if you challenge me, I was going to take you out. And I watched him shift in his seat because I wasn't saying that about him. I was talking about myself. And I really did find a time when I felt that way. If I felt insecure, I would let my arrogant side come out of me because I felt threatened. And so uh, I'm telling him this story. And then I shifted into a metaphor. I said, you know, a lot of times when we're dads, we are being competitive and trying to be better than the other dads and trying to teach our kids how to be awesome and not care what other people think and help them believe that they're the best thing that ever lived. And, and we're really pouring into them. But then when you're older and you see your dad as a grandfather, the grandfather treats that child a very different way. You know, all of a sudden now they're not about competition. They're about loving them, supporting them, no matter what they're doing, catching them, always doing things right. And just giving them all kinds of support and encouragement. And I said, what would happen with your team if you shifted from father to grandfather? Because you don't have anything else to prove. You're already amazing and people already adore you. But this is an area that could help you take it to the next level. And his eyes watered up. And this isn't the kind of guy that has his eyes water up, (laughs) right? And Because I don't care how tough they are, if you find that soft spot, which most people protect with armor. Uh, Brene Brown calls it emotional armor. If you can get past that, it's extraordinary the person that you will see come out. So he adopted that attitude, that metaphor, and we worked a little bit more together and he just ran with it, transformed his department, transformed the company. Fast forward five years, the president at the time left that company and he became the president of the company. And he would not have been in that. I do not believe he would have had that opportunity if we would not have shifted those blind spots. Yeah. So let's talk more about that process. So it starts with helping people figure out what they're trying to prove. You do that through stories, through helping them define themselves and their challenges and tensions and your experiences. So once he figured out what he's trying to prove, then he started looking at, okay, what are the beliefs that are driving that competitiveness? Is that right? Yes. Because the beliefs, you can always trace every poor behavior back to a belief. And his belief at the time was that he had to be the best because that was the only way that his dad ever gave him approval. He had to be the best at sports. He had to be the best, you know, in 4-H club. He had to be the best in whatever he did the only time his dad gave him an attaboy or a pat on the back or any kind of attention is if he was winning. And so he learned that I have to win at all costs in order to get love and approval. And that drives a lot of people (laughs) in business. We don't see it. People don't see it that way. They don't talk about that soft stuff, you know, love and compassion and empathy, you know, when we're dividing and conquering. But we're in a unique time, and I know you see it too because you're helping to usher it in because you're brilliant at doing this work as well. That's why we get along so good (laughs) that uh, we're ushering in a new way to work, you know, where we're bringing humanity into the workplace in the 21st century and treating people like people 
and caring about people. And there's such a call for it right now. Yeah, there's so many new B Corps appearing and talking about triple line, you know, profits where it's people, profits and planet, you know, and take care of the planet that we live on. I mean, it's we're just in a, a new beginning of a new age. And I believe that businesses are going to transform the world, not a grassroots individuals. I really think that businesses have the power and mindful, conscious businesses are the ones that are going to do the most good in this world. Well, and that's why you and I are both so passionate about the work we're doing, right? Because we're equipping the leaders to drive those businesses in that way. So let's stay with this example. So he had a belief, I have to win at all costs to get love and approval. And he recognized how that's not helpful. That's not serving me. And so then you worked with him. And what's your language? Is it reframing? Is it creating a new belief? How do you talk about it? I mean, if you're going to pull a, a weed, you got to plant a flower. You can't just pull weeds. You got to plant flowers <laughs> or the weeds just grow back. Right. And so, so yes, some of it is reframing and having people look at it in a different way. But I'll tell you what has worked the best for me because I've tried hundreds of different approaches to try to improve behavior. And the one that works the best is upgrading those beliefs in our unconscious mind. So first we got to identify what the belief is. And then I use this, I call it the one belief away method. That's what the, my latest book is called one belief away. Cause I believe that everybody is one belief away from a transformational breakthrough in their life. That's sustainable. I mean, once you upgrade a belief, it's upgraded. You can't go back to the old, once the blind spot isn't blind anymore, <laughs> it can't go back to being blind. You are aware of it now. And so what I've learned to do is take people back to the moment in time where that belief was formed and upgrade it right then and there. Have them go back and look at the experience that they went through in a different way. Give them a new set of resources, help them to love and support and encourage and empower themselves instead of waiting for someone else to rescue them, to let them know that they have the ability to do that and then to choose what they'd rather believe instead. If you could believe anything, and you can, because a belief is an opinion, it's not a fact, what would you rather believe instead that would be more empowering, that would serve you and others in a more fulfilling way? And then they always come up with things like, I am more than enough. I am worthy. You know, I love me. You know, the world can be a safe place. There are opportunities always around me. I'm worth being taken care of. You know, when you change a belief at that core level, it naturally causes people to respect and love themselves more, which then causes them to respect and appreciate others in a more real, authentic way. So with, it, with him, you took him back to experiences with his dad. Yeah, to one in particular. You don't have to go back and reframe everything or you know, you'd be in counseling for 20 years. So usually we go back to that core event or the first time you ever felt that particular feeling. We usually start with the feeling. You know, the feeling of pressure or competitiveness, or if you feel threatened, right? Or if you're feeling anxious or stressed or overwhelmed, we start with the feeling and then we follow that feeling like a bridge through time, all the way back to that original event or situation that's most responsible for that feeling. And people just go back and then we upgrade it right then and there. And then we just do some reinforcing and maybe give them some new tools and new strategies and anchor in that new sense of confidence and peace so that they can show up in a new way 
Instead of worrying what's going to happen to me, they focus on what I'm going to bring to the situation so that we're being the cause instead of the effect. It completely changes your life. It's all connected, all parts of our life. So I suspect that that belief, you're transforming that to I am more than enough, it helps in all aspects of his life, all of his relationships, regardless of what he's doing. Yep, you're exactly right. It carries over into all of your relationships at home, at work, how you take care of yourself, your health, how you take care of everybody, really. And that's such an important message because I think people often get overwhelmed. Uh, this is my experience anyways, people feeling like, oh my gosh, well, there's so much to fix. How in the world am I going to figure all of this out? Well, just start with something that gets in your way, that trips you up. And I love your advice. Start with what's the feeling around that, and then you can work yourself to the belief. What would I have to believe in order to feel this way? And then you keep asking yourself that question. What would I have to believe in order to feel this way? Or what would I have to believe to feel this way? And just keep asking it. Now, I will tell you that there's a lot of myths out there when it comes to personal development or self-growth. And one of them is that you, it's overwhelming and you have to fix everything. I have found that that is totally false. If you fix the core belief, so many of the presenting symptoms resolve themselves on their own. So how do you get to the core belief? I already shared that. It seems so simple that it's like it can't be that easy, but it is. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and it's step one in a, in a process, but it's a short process. But step one is you find that core belief, that the main one. And the biggest fear and core belief that most everybody has, if not everybody, is that I'm not good enough. Well, so if you can't find it, could you start there? Yes, you can start there. Now, sometimes you need help. Right. So, you know, that's why I wrote the book or have the free classes. Or, of course, I've got the other private coaching and, and courses that you can go through to speed up your results. Because sometimes we just need support from somebody else's feedback. Right. Sometimes you can't see, you can't see the label when you're in the bottle. <laughs> right. It's hard to be objective with yourself. However, you can start with, you know, I got a simple five step process. So, step one, question number one is, you know, what would I have to believe to feel this way? And then step two is, what would I want to believe instead? You know, and you just start to get to the second step, which is what would I want to believe instead? You know, and then step three is if I actually believe that and felt that, like I'm worthy, I'm lucky, I'm always surrounded by opportunities. You know, if I really believe that, what's a big, bold move that I would make right now that would help me achieve a goal or change my life? What would be a big, bold move that I would make? What one big domino could I push over that would knock over all the little ones? It's usually something that we've been resisting, holding off on, procrastinating with. But I found that your biggest breakthroughs are hidden in the places you don't want to go. So if you see where you're resisting and you go there on purpose, it's a game changer. It's a step changer. It takes you to the next level fast. And then step number four is once I get clear on what that big, bold move is going to do, why do I really want it? You know, what am I hoping to really feel? From having that. You know, I want to feel, I want to feel the sense of contribution. I want to feel the sense of adventure. I want to feel like what I'm doing matters. I want to feel like I'm, you know, happy and in control of my life. 
right? And so you've identified the new belief, the new action, and the new feeling. So step five is take action, put it into, put it into action. So I'm stuck. I was taking notes because I really love this process. It's so simple. And yet the simplest things are often the hardest things, <laughs> which is why it's good to have a coach and a support system around you. Well, and I'm stuck by this comment, the biggest breakthroughs are hidden in the places I don't want to go. So let's talk about that for just a minute. And then I want to go back to the five-step process. We live in a time where short-term gratification and feeling good are really important. And sometimes I get hooked up on law of attraction and what I'm thinking about comes about. And so I work really hard to think good things. But the dark side of that then is not paying attention to what doesn't feel as good. So how do you reconcile that? Because my my resistance in going to the places I don't want to go is, am I not like rehashing that? Is that, yeah. So what are your thoughts on that? I mean, one of your gifts is asking really brilliant questions and that's a really good one. So let's, let's break that down. I've tried to get away from the idea of good and bad. Because I'm sure you've had this experience of having the best day and the worst day on the same day. Yes. (laughs) Like a lot of days. (laughs) As soon as you get really excited, something dumb happens and you're like, oh my gosh. And then as soon as, you know, you get that resolve, something good happens and you're like, yay, right? And it can feel like a roller coaster of ups and downs. And so, you know, that's why I started saying that it doesn't matter what shows up. What matters is how you show up, right? I'm not caught up in good or bad or I'm always thinking no matter what happens, where's the creative opportunity here? Where's the opportunity? You know, the power of your life is being influenced by the, the quality of the questions you ask yourself. And so I'm always asking, and you're great with questions too. So I'm, I'm always asking myself, where's the opportunity here in any situation? So. There isn't a a good light side and a dark side. I really think it's all the same thing. That's a really great question. Where's the creative opportunity? Because as soon as I ask that question in relation to going to those places I don't want to go, I think about the weeds that are growing there. And if I don't pull those out, the new creation has no space to grow. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, that's right. So you got to pull weeds and plant flowers. Got to do both. Because if you just plant flowers, you got a whole bunch of weeds too. So you first have to recognize the weeds. Yeah. And again, you know, sometimes like therapy gave this a bad rap because we're like, well, I don't want to have to go and rehash every bad thing that I've ever experienced. That can re-traumatize people and often does. Like, you know, marriage therapy in so many ways can trash your relationship. (laughs) Okay. That's it, Tim. I just had a big aha it's the rehashing that I'm afraid of. But what I hear you saying is this, it's releasing. It's how you rehash it, right? So the purpose isn't to, to figure out all the bad things that you went through because you went through it the first time and it didn't make you feel any good. Why would you want to keep going through it? Okay? It's not the experience. What was the belief that came from it? That's what you're looking for always. What was the belief that was formed in my mind? Or what were the beliefs that I had in my mind? that caused those situations to come about. 
That's good. That's what you started with. It's not the experiences, but the beliefs that come with them. So we've come full circle. So always examining the beliefs. That's so helpful because I'm afraid of rehashing because I want great experiences in my life. Well, I remember sitting, it was a leadership meeting and the leader literally said, I'm so mad at you, Tim. I want to pick you up and slam you into a table. (laughs) And I, I was like, wow, okay, how come? And he said, well, you know, the previous hour when we had everybody together in our department and you asked people to go around and share a complaint that they have. And he said, all you did was create a space for people to complain. And I said, that's how you see it? Because I created a safe place for people to be able to express what was really going on inside of them so that we could have an honest and empowering conversation. I want to know what people are thinking. That leader thought that it was going to lead to a bunch of complaining and moaning. And and so that revealed their blind spot. And so you don't want a whole... And people were... Through the process too, I was really surprised that that particular leader had that reaction because people were talking about things they were upset about and I was giving them some reframes and different ways of looking at it and they felt really positive afterwards and gave a lot of positive feedback about how great that experience was. So to everybody else, it was a great experience, but it pushed buttons inside of that leader, buttons that would cause him to go from laid back to angry. You know, he felt threatened. And, you know, that's a pattern that, as we talked more and more, was showing up in his personal life as well. And as a parent, a lot of leaders are afraid of losing control, being seen as weak or vulnerable, you know, and that causes people to show up, you know, even more with this tough as nails kind of approach or mindset that how leadership was done back in the day, but we are in a new era and more and more companies are realizing that what got us here isn't going to get us to the next level. Particularly right now, as everything is shifting. That, you know, if you don't like it, hit the door. My way or the highway. People are like, okay, see ya. <laughs> the Gen Zers are like, later. <laughs> right? And, and they're, you know, in the next 10 years, you know, it's going to be almost all Gen Zers and millennials that are a part of the workforce. And they're not having it. Their very first question is, you know, how's your culture? Am I going to make a difference here? Am I going to feel valued here? Right. And be cared for here and supported so that I can have an amazing life. Well, so where can we find One Belief Away? I cannot wait to read your new book. There's a small online bookstore called Amazon.com. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. it. I know. They're growing. You should get some stock <laughs> in it. And, uh, <laughs> and so uh, that's the best place. You can also go to timsure.com and uh, I'll, I got all kinds of resources there for you. And if our listeners want to connect with you, where's the best place to do that? Same thing, timsher.com. Or if you love podcasts, like I love yours, uh, another one they could subscribe to is my podcast. It's called How to Be Mesmerizing. If you go to mesmerizingpodcast.com, I've interviewed some of my uh, favorite all-time speaking friends, uh, Brian Tracy and Seth Godin and Ken Blanchard and Les Brown. And and now I'm seeing uh, uh, interviewing some of the world's best CEOs who are very culture oriented and people centric to figure out what their secrets are. So if you are going to subscribe to two podcasts that are going to significantly impact your business growth uh, now and in the future, uh, you're listening to one right now with Andrea and then uh, mine will help you as well. 
Well, thank you, my friend. Thanks for sharing your wisdom and insight. I'm always better after conversations with you. I feel the same way. Thank you so much for having me as a guest and for all the goodness that you bring into the world. Thank you for joining us for this episode. Please subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast to never miss a Being at Work story. 